0: It's called The Science Podcast, and these are a a couple of atheists that run this podcast. So I thought you'd be interested to hear what they say. This is only one little bit. It's like it's over half an hour, and I couldn't play you the whole thing because I'd have to have so many beeps in it, bleeping out uh, the expletives. Because you can't breathe. This shit's a space.
1: The Science Enthusiast Podcast has always been secretly sponsored by the word like, but we're ending that relationship this week. Totally. Because we like take criticism well no really we, we like we, we, we like received take... some, we, we received some criticism and it and i'm guessing it's me
0: it's not the Maybe first I time talk
1: like a valley girl but um <laughs> we are i am going to try not to say the word like as much as i usually do so apologies as always, to our but, listeners, apologies for so many things, will, but but especially, things. especially apologies for the excessive use of the word like. I will try to be better. And I know, I know I do it a, a <laughs>
0: lot. I, full disclosure, haven't really listened to any of the podcast episodes ever, so, you know.
1: I'll just take the Why would I listen to it? I, I was there it. the
0: first time around. I know everything that was said. <laughs>
1: You know every like, you know every beep and cleat, you know all the things.
0: <laughs> all
1: right, introduce yourself. Oh, yeah. Hello,
0: and thank you for listening to the Science Enthusiast Podcast. My name is Dan Broadmint, and as always, I'm joined by my absolutely stunningly beautiful and talented friend, Natalie Newell.
1: Thanks. We're like, we're, we're really going with the compliments today, because why not? Um, we just saw each other in real life, We did, on the and, computer.
0: And I felt like I couldn't stop touching you. I wrong? am i wrong wrong in saying that yeah i know right i mean yeah <laughs>
1: that's just the story uh we went to nexus though let's we talk did. about nexus how awesome nexus was what's Nexus? It was,
0: it was it was great the northeastern conference on science and skepticism hosted by the new york city skeptics
1: yeah and so learn we more at
0: new... nexus.org that was oh, a wait,
1: fantastic sorry. promo sorry i just this, went into a whole show? thing
0: we're, we're we're trying to explain we're trying to trying to uh, basically, we're trying to get on uh, SGU, which is kind of its kind of like their... I'm not going to admit my ignorance here. I don't know exactly what their role is with, with it, uh, but it always it always feels like the S, uh, Sceptic Sky to the Universe uh, podcast. It's their party. It's their baby. Uh, they're in charge. I, I think Steve Novella, uh, Papa Bear himself, uh, like the actual Papa not like the, the sarc- sarcastic uh, Papa Bear, uh, Ken Ham. But... <laughs> Mm -hmm. topic of the podcast but yeah uh they they put it on every year we both went last year Uh, it's kind of where i don't know i i kind of realized it it was our first it was my first skepticism conference so it it was my first and it was kind of a shocker to me to kind of just just because you know we i i don't know how big my page was back then it was a decent size people i mean people knew me But I didn't realize how necessarily how far the reach went or what people – like real people, not like internet people because internet people are categorically awful. But what real people who are active in activism and are involved in in know things that are are just in general much smarter than I am, much more eloquent with what they say – it it was just kind of weird, and again, it was it was weird again uh, this year uh, since you know the page is obviously grown. We started doing a pot I don't know. We didn't do next or uh, the this podcast uh, during Nexus last year, did we?
1: No. The, the podcast actually started the I believe it was the week after Nexus. Yeah, because so, so we were like, "Well, fuck it, Nex- dude, Nex-
0: let's just do it."
1: Let's do it. We were inspired, and look where we are now.
0: <laughs> right. <We're> still doing. <laughs> still do still right. going. <laughs> We missed a few it. weeks, and but it's and okay. I, I I hate myself for that.
1: You hate yourself, anyways.
0: I, I but so. also I hate myself anyway. Yeah. So nothing yeah. new there. But yeah, it, it's it it was cool. Um, we didn't uh, we didn't really make our presence known. I don't I don't think uh, we didn't. What I'm saying is we didn't talk to a whole lot of whole lot of people outside of our little little circle <laughs> of friends, but. It, it it was just weird too. It felt weird because they the auditorium actually had a fire. Uh, I guess a week or however before, and so we were kind of all over the place uh, as far as where the conference was being. Well, I say all over; it was in two different places. But uh, we, we were displaced. We were refu- uh, conference refugees, and, <laughs> and 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 it was hot everywhere you were
1: sweating the whole time you were just just sweating sweating. the
0: whole time you were you were either
1: hot or trying to get cool that was your that was your nexus weekend so
0: that's that that's kind of why i didn't feel like talking to people because i'm like i am i just said (laughs) like again like i'm like hyper aware of it now but yeah and so it was just it was just uh yeah, but it was, it was so great. Uh, we, on uh, Friday, of course, they did uh, Science-Based Medicine Day again. And when I sat down, I think I sent you a text immediately because I I, I think we, we showed up at different times. Uh, yeah. So we weren't sitting next to each other. We, we weren't touching yet is what I'm saying. No. And I sent you a text. I was like, oh, uh, three out of the five people giving talks today are people we've had on the podcast already, and including our first-ever guest, uh, Dr. Clay Jones, Clay Jones. Yeah,
1: Who gave a fantastic talk. He's he did. Awesome. I
0: learned so much about teeth, and now I, know. I feel, teething, and teething, and teething, in babies, and now I feel like an idiot. If I said like again. <laughs> it's all right, it's okay. <laughs> Put Sorry. a quarter in the jar. I feel I feel awfully similar to an idiot. Before. <laughs> See, I'm consciously trying to avoid it for giving both my kids uh, the teeth the, te- the orgel whenever, you know, they're cutting teeth, because as he explained, and I'm sure we could have, you know, any number of dentist friends we have or even have had on the podcast, uh, both the dentists we've had on in the in the earlier episodes could have explained this that the gums, I guess, actually come apart and separate t- to allow the teeth passage, they grant it passage. So it's kind of like Moses. Teeth are kind of like Moses.
1: Totally, uh, It's so biblical.
0: Yeah, and if if we were going to move on right now into God of the Week, that would be an excellent segue. It we're, not, been a good segue. we're not. We're not. So put a pause not. on that.
1: Yeah. All right. Fine. Fine. <laughs> but, but that that would have been good.
0: But yeah, I, I, I found that that's something I found per- personally found very interesting, and and something I hyper focused on because of my anxiety uh, was the fact that. That's that's all nonsense. Uh, the the idea that you need these products and sure it helps to chew on things if if you know you have just a little bit of uh, discomfort in your teeth as as your teeth are coming in, but. In general, you don't need things like that, and, and having and cutting teeth and, and the process of teething for for a baby isn't. I'm talking about this way longer than I anticipated, but that's how interesting.
1: Clear, like, clearly, 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 this it, was a this was a major impactful talk. It so, was Clay Jones. You you <laughs> just you hit Dan Broadbent over the head with teething knowledge that
0: yeah, he will and you got
1: forward in his life.
0: Yeah, and, and, and check out his podcast, uh, Present podcast, we, we he does with uh, Dr. Grant Ritchie, also a friend of the show uh, half of the dentists that we've had on, on the show too. But yeah, it was, it was, it was so cool. And what I, what, what this is all building to me and, and, and what I was trying to get at was we met, uh, I, well, I don't know if you, if you met these people because I was at the table and whatever, like identifying as uh, taking, uh, taking responsibility, I guess, for the podcast and, you know, doing that PR, like, I'm so sorry that we exist and you listen to us on a yeah, regular basis. Usual. Uh, <laughs> but I had had more than more than a few people come up to me and uh re- for one recognize me, which is weird. But uh, thank us for what we're doing. And uh I mean thank you That's guys rad, for listening. Isn't it? That's yeah. really it's just it's just really cool to to have fans like that. And, and like, it, which kind of leads into again, uh what we're doing this coming weekend at Indie PopCon.
1: Which we we're gonna, gonna talk about a little later. A little later, we ta- a little later that's a, on why we love we'll, the internet. We'll, we'll say that's yeah. a call forward. That is a call
0: forward. Foreshadow. You gotta you gotta you gotta set the hook. You gotta or Keep you gotta bait listening. the hook and then yeah. and then you say I don't know, fishing? fishing. I don't like I fishing. Don't, it's I don't weird. fish.
1: I don't fish. It's weird.
0: Um, My kids like it, but, but uh, it's weird. I won't the, do it. I'll the refuse. short
1: version is that Nexus is awesome. For anybody who is listening that has a chance to go to any of the skeptic conventions, conferences, whatever, take the, take the opportunity because, you know, we all sort of exist in this online space and it's awesome to have like-minded people that we can communicate with on a daily basis, but to just be able to go and like, and hang out together and stay out until five in the morning.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh God. It's That night, yeah, that some was of you, night. some
1: of you were a little bit dead the next day. I oh my
0: gosh, I, I didn't really get okay. to bed until seven a.m. on Sunday. And then
1: that was a, yeah, yeah, that was yeah. A thing, but but if you have a chance to do it, do it because it is fantastic to spend time in the same you know
0: and real world I'm, space. We yeah, and we we met. I can't even think off the top of my head. Uh, Rainey met uh, met uh, Lucas Lynch, who I've been friends with on Facebook. Well, I'm using air quotes around friends on Facebook for for a while. I, I've known of his presence. We've interacted. We've talked. So, but I actually met him, and he's a super cool guy. Met a couple other people. We going to an atheist conference that's in St. Louis that I had no idea existed. That's that's a segment we need to add to the show. I think we need to say, "Hey, these are the conferences coming up." I
1: think so because I think month. if we can if we can do our part to connect people to these various events like promotion I think
0: of science and skepticism promo, and atheism yeah
1: and yeah we should, we should do better and- we're gonna do better all around <laughs> we're 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 newly energized and and we're just gonna do better um for now for at least a couple weeks <laughs> for, now. <laughs> for now
0: for, like, yeah, but like <laughs> for now like give it a couple weeks and like, then we'll be back to I'm, our I can't crusty. I can't make
1: long-range promises right now but <laughs> but for this moment we're gonna be better <laughs> do are we done with this do we want to do the god of the week or we're gonna yeah, talk we'll about do, our,
0: yeah we'll do yeah we'll do yeah. god of the week right after a quick break that's right Ooh, look at break. that look at that Look at that, nice. that break i like that and that's right at 15 minutes into to the record at least on zencaster perfect so all
1: right can i do uh, god of the week yeah okay all right so our god of the week is eros the greek god of Love, sex, and desire. Who later became like cute and cuddly baby Cupid to the Romans because they always they always stole the Greek gods. So Eros. He so they're appropriating. Was,
0: you know, they're appropriating the gods. They did.
1: They did. They appropriated the mythology. So he was a handsome dude, of course. Um, he was. It says he was born of chaos. I mean, aren't we all? <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: How lazy is that? <laughs> I'm sorry. I right. shouldn't disparage. I mean, shouldn't disparage, don't disparage Eros. Th-
1: Don't disparage the yeah. So he helped heaven, he helped heaven and earth get together. So clearly he was matchmaking since (laughs) the beginning of time. I just can't just just let me let me tell let me tell my my stories. Let me tell my stories. So he was tasked with with spreading love, but but not without consequence because (laughs) it didn't really matter how many hearts got broken in the process. So he carried his magic. I mean, I would say poison bow and arrows. He did his thing for better or worse. So he had the special love arrows. Which he'd shoot at people, but he also had. It said leaden arrows of indifference. So I guess he'd <laughs> shoot those. So it's like some people got the love and some people just got fucked over. Um, what I didn't it, the know damn before Robert this. Story. Yeah, me too. At this <laughs> point, so um, so <laughs> something I didn't know before, Eros had a brother, Anteros, who yeah. So what I learned about him is that he would he would become like kind of a dick. If you rejected love in a cruel manner. So so like I think he it seemed like he was looking out for the long-term relationships. And mm-hmm. Eros is maybe more of a let me shoot the arrow, you can like hit it and quit it, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um so yeah, it's, they they were two. I mean, two kinds of two kinds of love, right? I
0: mean, I don't I, I see yeah. value in both.
1: Value in both. So they each they each served a purpose. Eros finally found love for himself with Psyche,
0: immortal. He loves himself.
1: So she she accidentally <laughs> pricked herself with one of the arrows. And it's not a euphemism, but it could be, I guess. Because I'm sure she got pricked with his arrow later, right? Dick. Yeah. So Is that a dick I'm joke? Sure, Natalie Newell.
0: Di- Natalie C. Newell. <laughs> I, this is had, a family show.
1: I mean, what kind of family? We I mean, can't, my kids are not going to uh, hear this for a while. Well, uh, hopefully,
0: <laughs> maybe... Uh, I shouldn't say hopefully, but perhaps biblical in nature. So incestuous. Yes.
1: So, so, uh, so yeah. He he lived hopefully happily ever after with his mortal lady, and then later on, the Romans liked the story, but they decided to turn him into a baby.
0: To yeah, exactly. Claim claim it, claim it Why as not? their own. They're appropriating yeah. Greek culture.
1: So so yeah, Eros. There we go that's it lost well, you,
0: <laughs> stuff you're, you're supposed to read you're supposed to read the next line I can't do oh. all the outro. oh sorry see we're sorry. still working on this still, we are. this is why we got it no, I, I, is, I'm is, not going to edit is, this part you're not
1: oh. going to edit this out this is part of the I'm filter. not writing it down so, I'm not writing so we're it gonna, down to right, we're going to be back with our Jon Stewart interview fucking finally after <laughs>
0: whatever,
2: <laughs>
1: whatever kind of break blog talk radio deems appropriate so we'll be right back This afternoon, we are thrilled to be joined by John Stewart. John is a former professional musician. Many of you might know him from the band Sleeper, and now is a senior lecturer on popular culture and popular music. Um, he blogs about his 14 years as a member of Alcoholics Anonymous and ongoing developments in the post-AA recovery community. Um, John, thank you for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me. On. It's really nice to meet you.
1: you too. Um, so, to get started, I mean, I always kind of like to ask people pretty much, like, what brought you here talking to us? Like, why are we having this conversation today? And, um, I mean, I'm sure with even just the conversation we were having before we started recording, you have a lot of stories to tell. And, like, the reason we, I mean, you you reached out to us, which I'm so glad that you did, to talk about your experience with AA and recovery in more of a secular sense. Um, but... I guess I, I want to get a little bit of your backstory first, of like, what what brought you to the point of, you know, AA and recovery, but, um, you want to talk about so, music everyone... a little first? Like, life in, yeah. in <laughs> a Britpop hop band?
0: All the things.
2: All the things. Yeah, I, um, I, I grew up in the north of England, in a, a city called Sheffield, which is, uh, a, a sort of an industrial area. and. My formative experience was the miners' strike. There was a big miners' strike in the UK in the 1980s. And um, and I went to university, and I was very kind of SJW type. And met uh, a sort of a hot, hot young girl there. And she was very exotic. She was a southerner. She was from London. And she was Jewish, and I'd never met any sort of non Weird. weird.
0: We were taking this to, to a different podcast, I feel like. Yeah. No, for me that was incredible.
2: I was like, Wow, look at this. She's gorgeous and and exotic and she'd just come back from Israel. And I was from Yorkshire, which is a very sort of closed community. Industrial, sort of white, working class really. And um we started a band and got a record deal and she was the singer and sleeper. And um yeah, I had had a platinum album and a gold album and with a couple of tracks on train spotting and um the, the i was I was pretty kind of left wing and and very much an atheist mm-hmm. and very kind of interested in science and progressive stuff so um then then the band finished in a it was sort of towards two thousand uh after three albums, and we toured the world and everything and it was great but throughout the whole time i'd been kind of drinking and Doing other recreational stuff <laughs> and um, it's an interesting industry, the music business. I mean you know my one of the people at the record company, having just signed us and spent a load of money on the band, celebrated by giving me my first ever introduction to cocaine, which is one of the world's most addictive substances, mm-hmm. which I've often thought is a very interesting way to do business to kind of invest in a product or a person, and then give them a very, very damaging <laughs> new hobby. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I, I really needed to get sober after the band, and lived in LA for a while, and went to some AA meetings out there because everybody's sober in LA. In LA. And and um, came back to the UK and uh, found a very kind of vibrant group of Alcoholics Anonymous in the summer of 2000 in London. And um uh that that was just an incredible experience. It was a very, very vibey group, lots of really sort of young, sort of professional people, and uh quite it was quite a fundamentalist AA group. And I seemed to need that, I seemed to need that structure. And as a result of working the twelve steps of AA, I had a profound spiritual experience and I found sobriety. And I found much more, I found a new way of life, and I found God uh, as it's understood in AA, uh, which is quite a wide concept. And it kind of helped me get, stay sober. And then I became a lecturer and uh, took a teaching qualification and then a master's degree, and I'm now doing a PhD. And AA is a great place to get sober. I'm very much in favour of it. I'm not anti-AA. But um, it, I did also have, I went from being this sort of atheist um, more than British, sort of socialist, sort of type who doesn't believe in God because God is is the opiate of the masses. To so being very spiritual, and I prayed every day for 14 years, and um, then after after sort of 13, 14 years, I lost my faith. I read a book. I read Bart Ehrman's The Historicity of Jesus because I'm a historian. And, I, and as part of the 11th step, which is to bring yourself closer to your higher power, I thought, I'll read a history book on Jesus. And that, that made good me idea, realize, right? Yeah, not so good, not so good. <laughs> that kind of made me realize that I was like, ooh, probably shouldn't have read that. And then I watched, um, because AA is founded on, on a thing called the Oxford Group, which is an attempt to live as first century Christians. That's why I was interested in the Jesus thing. And um, and then I watched a, a video by Andy Thompson, who's an evolutionary psychologist, and it, he explains faith through evolutionary psychology called Why We Believe in Gods. And I opened the computer as a person of faith, having prayed every day for 13 years at that point, and I closed it 45 minutes later. As a YouTube video finished, I closed it as an atheist again. It was like that. And it was the most profound experience of my life after getting sober and I realised that all our notions of spirituality and fake, and they're very convincing because they meet our evolutionary needs to communicate and to bond together and they, they, there's lots of parallels with food the way that we respond to sugar and fats and salt and alcohol That's, and evolutionary psychology has a lot of explanations for alcoholism as well and, and that, that, so Oh, sorry. Go at ahead. That, well, at that point, I just I wrote a, I stopped attending AA and I wrote a blog essay about it, mm-hmm. and ended up doing a bit of media. And I speak at skeptics in the pub groups and humanist groups and things like that. So that's me.
1: So you, so you talked about how you were an atheist up until kind of the you know starting AA. Yeah. Then because I you know reading some of what you've written, then you prayed for the first time when you joined AA, and then you know you you were in it, you were in this program. And so just, you know, like an idea that I think came up in something that I was reading that you wrote, um, but then also have talked about with other people is that like, you sometimes people trade kind of this, like, mm. addiction for something else, where like, mm. you know, may, like people might be alcoholics, and then they they pick up other things like whether it's smoking and or, or AA or just really something else to replace that. Mm. Yeah. Do you, do you feel so. like that's something that happens?
2: Yeah, definitely. And it's really interesting because the, the debate, you'll find lots of people who knock AA. There's plenty of people that will bash AA and I'm not one of those, but because I think the debates much more nuanced than that. Mm-hmm. And there's no question that in group thinking can be very powerful. And, um, when you go to meetings, you, you, there's lots of chemicals going on in your brain, like dopamine, the expectation of, of, of meeting people and having a relaxing time and, and making contact with people. Oh, meeting,
0: meeting people sounds like the absolute worst
2: thing. It, yeah, it puts a lot of people off the group stuff. Yeah. Not so much as there are three things that put people off AA being in groups, the God stuff, and the abstinence. And and actually you can get sober without any of those three things today, which we can chat about later. Mm-hmm. But the power of the group when I first it was a year before my first and my second meeting. The first time you go it's a little bit overwhelming. And then things got so desperate that I I thought I'm gonna have to give this a go. And you just get welcomed into the group and they you know, they say things like very simple messages like, Just keep coming back, come to come to another meeting tomorrow and go to 90 meetings in 90 days and things like that. So once you once you get involved in that, you get a whole new circle of friends. And you learn a whole new set of sort of cultural memes and and ideas, and you become part of a, a new circle. And groups can do things together that individuals can't do in lots of positive ways, and of course in lots of negative ways as well. Mm-hmm and um so it, it, they're very helpful that a lot of studies aa wasn't based on e science but a lot of scientific studies since aa have demonstrated the power of group support in maintaining in obtaining and maintaining long term sobriety very very helpful but um i i kind of mistook it in aa because it's so spiritual um i used to think sort of god was entering the room or there's a sort of a sense of God's presence. The group conscience is the representation of of your higher power in the room, and um, and I believed all that because you're very vulnerable when you when you're an alcoholic in the rock bottom, you know. And the first time I went, I was like, "Well, this is great for these guys, but it's not going to work for me." And then the second time I went, I was truly desperate. I was looking at homelessness and stuff like that, and things had gotten really bad. And at that point I was like, okay, which way's mecca? Just point me in the direction <laughs> I've got and push me and I'll go. Because you you'll do anything. And um it's quite it's quite a gentle slope that you that you start and gradually if you're emotionally and physically and invested in it and you're sober and it's working for you, then it can be quite easy to get carried along. And and I was in a wonderful group, very very loving, very caring. But also, in a lot of ways, quite spiritual. And I just went for it. Because it, it was helping me abstain. which So I could see the results from it. And AA is based a lot on William James, which is this idea of finding having to have rock bottom. And then his famous book on um, the psychology of religious experiences, which is, is you have to sort of have your ego crushed. And at that point, you have a spiritual experience. And that's very much how the founders of AA considered it. And it's still alive. And so what,
0: I alive. And, and what did, the, like, as much as you're comfortable sharing here, like, what did that moment look like for you? Like when, mm-hmm. like, how did you know that 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 was it and you had to do something more?
2: Well, there's a weird, if you, anybody with a drink problem, I would just say, you know, keep keep looking because there's never been a better time to find recovery than now. There's so many options available. But in in the two thousand, there wasn't that much around. It was before, um, you know, it was before, like, all, the, all the, the new atheist movement and stuff like that. And for an alcoholic, if you're approaching, or a lot of people don't hit rock bottom. They get there and they just bounce along for years, sometimes <laughs> decades. So you're in this situation where life isn't going very well and you think the drink is the only thing holding you together. It's not the problem. And then you meet other people who are sober, and they're not afraid to talk about the bad things that happened to them when they drank because they're through that. You know? And that's very impressive. And you're meanwhile going out there doing all these problem behaviours and destroying your relationships and friendships and financially and you're not able to support yourself. And and then, you know, you drink a lot and you're going to lose your mind eventually. So your judgments going and things like that. And, um, and you might be in a situation where you've been doing that for years or maybe decades. And then you meet healthy people who used to drink like you drank and now don't, and you know they did because they're not shy to tell you about it, that's a very, very powerful thing. So in a lot of ways, the worse your drinking is, the better AA, the more AA works, because you just hit that moment of surrender. And surrender's a big word, I think, in AA in the program. This idea of just giving up up your will and going by the will of of whatever your higher power is, And and really, really throwing yourself into the 12-step program. And once you get to that point, once you've had enough physical and mental pain, whether that's humiliation of losing friends or behaving badly or, you know, all the things that happen to drunks, then you're ready for it.
0: And so you you had talked about or Natalie had brought it up uh, that just like replacing one addiction with another. And like in, in your case, it kind of manifested through like this spiritual uh, religious ex- experience that that you had. Like, I mean, I don't know, like personal. I like I don't see that as being untrue. I think you anytime you have like those of us, because I know I have an addictive personality, uh, those of us like that, like. I, I have to find something <laughs> to to replace things with. And one of the healthy things I did was this podcast and this, uh, you know, the, the blog that I have. Uh, like, what are your – like, do you think that that's necessarily a bad thing as it re- stands yeah. with uh, AA? Or? It's great.
2: Lots of people get in recovery and get really heavily into exercise. And the way it works in AA yeah. is, is they just say, keep going back to the meetings. So – People will, will go to meetings every day. I went to a meeting every day for about 200 days. And is it like an like,
1: accountability thing? Like where you're- it's a
2: sign of commitment. It's a sign of your commitment to your sobriety and you will meet people who will help you stay sober. And if you go to a meeting, you're far less likely to drink that day. And if you've been drinking every day for four or five years, then going to a meeting is not that much of an investment in your time. And it will, it's a demonstration to yourself that you want, that you really want this. So mm-hmm. it, it does work very well, and then you get inured to it, and you you buy into all the little practices, like the moment of reflection at the start of a meeting, and the serenity prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, in America, then you have the Lord's prayer at the end, which often shocks British people when they go to American, <laughs> American <laughs> their own meetings. Yeah, um, and uh, so you buy into these little practices. There's a there's a wonderful part in the Andy Thompson book on the evolutionary psychology of religion about minimally counterintuitive worlds so if I tell you that the tree in your town square if you go to it at midnight on a certain day and recite a certain saying it will do your taxes, put a thousand dollars in your bank, clean your house valet your car, you won't believe me but if you go and say you rub the bark at a certain date something fortunate might happen to you that you're not quite sure what it is, you're more likely to believe it. And AA often works like that. So you look for small signs. More of a horoscope. Yeah, you look for small signs of a higher power working in your life to help you stay sober. Because if you're of that fundamental religious type of AA, you genuinely believe you have an interventional higher power in your life helping you stay sober. And if you can't get sober of your own volition, it has to be that. What else could it be? I tried to get sober... I said never again thousands of times, and then by the end of the same day, I was drunk. And mm. then I had turned it over to a higher power, and all of a sudden, I'm sober. Wow.
1: And there you go. It yeah. worked, right? And, and
2: Mysterious also, ways uh, you indeed. really don't want to get drunk again, so you yeah. don't want to question that stuff. You're in it. You're like, okay, I'm pedaling this invisible bicycle, and it seems to mm-hmm. be going somewhere, so let's just keep pedaling, because this is way better than the life I used to have. So, so, and yeah. so...
1: So then you have you know, you've you're in this for so many years. And then you mm. you read Bart Ehrman and then you watch a video and you close your computer and it's like, yeah, I'm an atheist. How then what happens with your feelings about AA and and this life that you've been living?
2: Well, you go through kind of a, obviously it's like a, it's like being on a swing set. So you go, Whoa, that was really weird and you want to explain it and you can get a bit resentful about it. And then gradually you reach this point of equilibrium, which is really grateful for the opportunity to be sober. But also I did, I started researching what happened to me. So I read up the Eddie Thompson stuff and I found a brilliant website called recoveringfromrecovery.com, which is run by a guy in London here that was all about moving it healthily out of groups like AA. And, um, and I read up on Robert J. Lifton's criteria for thought reform, which is a brilliant piece of work on American soldiers returning home uh, from captive captive soldiers returning from the Korean War in the 50s, and how they'd been subject to thought reform and lots of the group practices in many groups, not just AA, obviously groups you know high control groups all, all subscribe to it, but many quite much more subtly practices in, in AA. Mirror the the, the criteria for thought reform, and so I started to understand the mechanism of what had happened. And initially, I was terrified that I'd drink again, because because I'd kind of burst the bubble, and that was you know three and a half coming up four years ago, and I haven't, and I just keep active in other ways. So I think the thing that made me the most, the thing I found most difficult to deal with, is What we now know about alcoholism and some of the alternatives that are out there, there's a fantastic thing called the Sinclair Method, which seems to have something like 75% success rate, which doesn't involve meetings, doesn't involve uh, having a spiritual awakening, and doesn't even involve abstinence. So you take a pill, usually naltrexone, an hour before you drink, And you can control your drinking. So because there's no meetings or spiritual program or abstinence, it's anathema to AA. And no one, 99.9% of the people I know in AA have never heard of it. But it's far more successful than AA. It's been used in Finland for 20 years. 20 years. Thousands of people have found recovery. It was developed by an American doctor in finland because that's where they do all the research on rats and mice and addiction and think over the last 20 years how many americans and british people and people all over the world have died from alcoholism and never heard the words the sinclair method and now i hadn't heard of it i I know until i read
1: um until i was reading your stuff um so i I had not heard of it and for me and i don't know dan if, if it goes the same for you i mean i hear alcoholism and recovery. And I just automatically go to AA. Like, I think AA. I mean, that's, and I would guess that the majority of people think about Mm. that. And knowing, like, just the three of us here, I mean, Mm. I, you know, I do not have any substance problems. But if I did, I would probably, as an atheist, feel Mm. very wary of Mm. going to such a spiritual group so this is why you know just curious to hear some of your other thoughts about like what are well, the options
2: I think more than anything that that made me a little bit cross because it was like okay I got sober 17 nearly 17 years ago mm-hmm. The incline method was in in existence at that time so I could have actually just gone and got some medication and I wouldn't have had to go to all the meetings I've probably been to 2000 AA meetings over the years uh, and I wouldn't have had to um listen to all that stuff, and um, and also I wouldn't have had to have a, have a fake, fake spiritual awakening, and I could have gone and done some cognitive behavioural therapy, which I did when I quit AA, which was which was very good, and very helpful in other ways, and um, and 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 what 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 really really sort of is sad is in showbiz. You know, everybody's in recovery in AA, and mm-hmm. because it's a it's a romantic story, and it's the battle, and a very AA people are often very self-absorbed, and um, you know they're part of that sort of. you now have this sort of oppression Olympics going on in various groups, and there's no question that alcoholics are like you know I'm in recovery and don't triggering and all that stuff, and um, and a lot of what AA does that's good is it stops that kind of thinking. It's 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 all about not going along those lines. It was set up by a very hardcore Republican, conservative Republican guy, although it's not political. But you take responsibility for your own action. Now, AA hasn't taken responsibility for its actions as a group, because part of the 12 traditions, which which are what guide AA's practices, you don't talk about any other form of recovery. You don't endorse any other form of recovery. So if I went into an AA meeting and I started saying, you, you guys that are new, you could try this method that would help you. It might save some of your lives. Many of you people, this is AA is not going to work for you, well, you're going to die drunk. But you could try the Sinclair method. I'd probably be asked to leave.
1: Just because you're talking about something else.
2: Because I'm talking about a different form of recovery and AA doesn't endorse other forms of recovery. And because the Sinclair method... Doesn't involve meetings, doesn't involve spiritual programming, doesn't involve abstinence. So so it both goes against everything that AAs believe in the kind of culty mindset that some have, certainly I had. And it also it's another it's another form of recovery that you're not really supposed to talk about, or certainly you're not supposed to endorse or recommend. Now, the times have changed since the traditions were written in the 1940s. And you can go to an AA meeting and you'll find a pamphlet on literature for just about any group, even atheists now. It took them a long time to do it. It took them 40 years to come up with an atheist pamphlet. It was proposed in 1974 <laughs> and it came out in 2014 in the United States. That's how long it took wow. to write. And Slow it's not, going. And it's not very good. Um, yeah. But you will not find a pamphlet saying, here's some other things that work and here's the Sinclair and... That's, that I think is heartbreaking. And I think about people like Amy Winehouse who drank herself to death mm-hmm. without, I would bet my life without having never heard of The Sinclair Method and would have been seen by all the best doctors in London and had a, you know, a million pound house and seven million albums sold or whatever it was and millions of fans around the world and died, drank herself to death without ever having heard the words The Sinclair Method. Isn't that tragic? Well, That's it, just obviously one example but there are millions. Yeah. Areas.
1: Well it is be- I mean cuz I think we we often associate recovery with with AA with mm. complete abstinence with just and then if you well, can't even and even, even here the Yeah.
0: Yeah, and even here in the U.S., like it could, it has been ordered as part of a substance. Like if you have like a DUI or like driving under the drinking and driving, uh, some judges have ordered it as as actual treatment. Which, which I mean, you look at the peer review success rate, and it's anywhere between five and fifteen percent for AA, as opposed to. You know, with this uh, Sinclair method, like what you mentioned, it's at least from what they're reporting is somewhere around 80 percent, which is a substantial difference.
2: And even with the Sinclair method, about 50 percent of the people control their drinking and then about 25 percent stop. So mm-hmm. you could actually, if, if the only requirement for membership in AA is the desire to stop drinking, and lots of people use the Sinclair method because they want to stop. So, technically, they are entitled to go to meetings. They are entitled to have the access to the wonderful community of people that are trying to be sober and all that stuff. And ironically, if we take sort of 20% as roughly AA's success rate, the Sinclair method is actually more successful than AA if its figures are mm-hmm. to be believed. Um, even though that's not the ultimate goal of the program. So it's very. Uh, the other things have happened as well. Like right? there's a massive growth in atheist AA, and that happened in Toronto, where um, where the local AA group, the organisational they call it Intergroups, they tried to ban the atheist meetings because they felt you couldn't be atheist in the AA <laughs> because the atheists wanted to uh, change the steps and maybe white out the word God that's on the scrolls and the walls and stuff. So they were evicted from the local intergroup. And as a result, they started a website just so people could find where the meetings were. And there's now two fantastic atheist AA websites. One's called AA Agnostica, and the other one is called AA Beyond Belief. And they're a fantastic resource. So the other thing that's happened since I got sober is there is now an amazing repository of information online, for atheists who want to get sober in AA, so you don't need to go through the same journey that I went through. I've, I found a very active group of people who were all spiritual. I couldn't find any atheists who were staying sober. Now you can, and you can do that through online meetings, and the groups, there's many atheist meetings now In the big cities in America, in some cities in Europe, France has a big atheist AA, Paris has a big atheist AA meeting, and um so you can, you can still benefit from the group support. And that's all because the main group in Toronto tried to, to, um, tried to censor the atheists in recovery there. They went online and they just found a huge audience for themselves. And very recently, a couple of weeks ago, um, the Toronto Human Rights, the Canadian Human Rights Commission, uh, deemed that it was illegal what the Toronto AAH group had done. So they have to recognize them now. And also that could well have international repercussions. So any atheist AA group can start up and can block out the word God in the steps and reproduce in that way, it seems. So that could be a sea change in, in opportunities for atheists to get something in AA as well. So there's a lot of good stuff going on. That's good. I- first, yeah, go
1: ahead.
0: Oh, I was going to say, I, I think know. it's. I think it's important just for us to to say that we're not saying don't go to AA, don't do this, because uh, ultimately, I think any however you get to the end of you know not being addicted and, and getting getting beyond mm-hmm. that and being able to control it I think is, is 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 great however that however you get to there you know that's the ultimate goal and you know be it through uh, you know like you said behavior therapy or through aA or through one of these other options uh, you know that's whatever's working for you you know stay with that and, and work with that uh, it's what we're trying to do is just make people aware that you know, AA does not have a monopoly on this, and it's not, you know, statistically, and like what research shows us, not very effective.
2: And the, the, but there the, are options. Yeah, right. So the atheist in AA groups really big. I, I always recommend anyone to still go to AA. But, uh, the atheist in AA groups are huge now. Really worth supporting the Sinclair method and SMART recovery is another option, which is CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy based recovery. Mm-hmm. And they're having a lot of success and they're growing pretty quickly as well. Um, And I would recommend try it all. Do everything. There's never been more help available. If somebody's watching this and they're struggling, or they have a friend or family member who's struggling, just try it all and look at the blogs and read all the blogs and the podcasts. And there's so much out there that you can find now. It's great. It's a good time to be looking for recovery, however you want to do it.
1: And now, a question I have for you is: Okay, so there's there's the resources for people in recovery, sort of like the the professional resources, whether that's like CBT or whether it's you know the community of groups. Um, for for people who might be friends or partners of somebody who is in recovery, how like how do you support that person? The best that's way possible.
2: Good, good question, because um, it's a tricky one because you can't you don't want to enable people. Um, which is often what happens and there is a support group for people who are partners of people in recovery which is called Al-Anon which is the sort of the family group for for AA members and that's you know that's a little bit it's very much like AA and it's quite spiritual Mm -hmm. so I've had friends go there and just really enjoyed it because they just thought well I'm not I don't belong here this isn't my thing So I think that's probably the next stage along is, is for the, the amount of support that's out there now for atheists looking for recovery. There's no excuse for somebody who's an atheist. You can't use the excuse I used to use, which was I'm um, an atheist, I don't want really to go to AA, um, because there's atheist AA and there's smart recovery and there's all those other things. So the next stage, once that's become more commonly known, would be... Okay, what can we do for families and friends? And I think at the moment, the sort of twelve-step, Al-Anon, AA family group type uh, those ideas still very much corner that market because it's culturally very powerful. What What we need is a, a character in a television show to get sober in smart recovery or using mm-hmm. the Cinco method, uh, and we don't need another AA character in a movie. There's hundreds of and the reason why that happens is because all the actors and writers and film producers are all in bloody AA. So and, and also because it's it's a it's a fantastic drama, you know, struggling with the food and sharing your heart out, in meetings. It makes for good drama. But the truth is we need we need more uh accessibility and more information and more balance in the media. But because of the slightly culty thinking of AA, that's probably not gonna happen. He's just a, kind of
1: permeated all the
2: yeah, culture. It'll take a while. It'll take a while. There's a fantastic film about the Sinclair Method I meant to mention called One Little Pill by Claudia Christian, the sci-fi actress. That is a superb piece of work. She funded it herself. Uh, it, it's just brilliant. I don't know, Gary, the British guy, who's in it. He's doing really well. And um, still, you know, a few years on. And the, the, if, if you've got questions about the Sinclair Method, the Sinclair is a good website and the one little pill of the movie which is on Vimeo is really, really worth checking out.
1: Yeah, I think just being able to like shine some light on some of the other mm. options that are out there. That it's that if you know you don't want to give yourself over powerlessly to the higher power and an AA in that regard, that like we all kind of know it, that there are other places for people to turn and other mm. ways to to do this. And so that's why, like, I, I'm really glad that we're, you know, we've been able to talk to you about it. And I mean, and I, we're going to, we'll put a link to like your blog and everything. Cause it's fantastic. It's like, I learned so much just from reading that, that I didn't know before. So, I mm. mean, that just, that resource being there for people who, you know, might be going through something where like, they don't know what the next step is.
2: And, and It's, so a, it's a really there, interesting yeah. time for it because there's all the, um, you know we're, we're we're at an age Dan Dennett is, is one of the four horsemen guys mm-hmm. he, he wrote this really good piece in a book chapter uh, called something the pulpit escaping the pulpit or one of those it's about priests losing their faith mm-hmm. and he did a YouTube um, speech on it uh, about the age of di- digital transparency and it's not really been picked up on that much but it's a fantastic uh, essay on how digital technology is is uh, exposing previously closed forms of thought, whether it's the Big Book of AA, or the Scientology stuff, or the Mormons, or all these privileged forms of knowledge are now being picked apart because we can communicate in ways that we never could before, and we can examine ideas and test things. And, and I think this is part of that movement. So it's a very exciting time to be alive because you would have to be pretty brave to stand up for Scientology and now anybody can do it on a YouTube channel. There's a, there's a brilliant talk on how the Book of Mormon disproved Mormonism by a guy who I think is he's a, he's a graduate student and he puts the Book of Mormon through plagiarism software. The kind that you have at the oh. University of and, and huge chunks of it come from a, a school book on French history from 1820 or something like that. It's a superb piece. It's a presentation on YouTube. takes about an hour. It's a stunning piece of work about where Joseph Smith stole a lot of phrases from. Just little four and five word phrases that come from this school book on Napoleon that nobody knows about because all, all books have been, from that period have been digitised now. And we could never have done That would have been a lifetime's work for someone a generation ago. And this is a grad student doing it in his spare time over a year. On google google books so it's very um exciting time for, in terms of how science and communication is is working to sort of free people from all kinds of different ideas well and, and when you're becomes, reading as
0: yeah. i was gonna say when you're reading things out of a hat though you only have a you have very limited options <laughs> as far as where to take a story but he even, was reading
1: a book on Napo- napoleon out of a hat like come on <laughs> exactly obviously this is but what even,
2: happened <laughs> Even that now, well, you can go online and see, you can see the stone, the sea stone, because they were sort of forced to, to show the pictures of it, which would be a pilgrimage to, to even go to get to see that, a lifelong pilgrimage. So it's, it's really interesting how I think that, that's opening things up. And um, I think the future for recovery is very bright, especially mm-hmm. what evolutionary psychology offers in terms of explanations for things, particularly alcoholism, That really helped me to understand that. And you don't hear that in AA. You know, no one will say, well, you have fruit and yeast and the byproduct, the yeast eats the sugar of the fruit and then the alcohol keeps the fruit ripe for that little bit longer on the vine. And then an early hominin from two million years ago will smell the alcohol and be attracted to it. And we have color vision, so we can see a ripe grape from one that's going to poison us. And hence, and it's the reward systems that responded to that, hence Alcoholism today. We have hypersensitive reward systems for alcohol because of early hominins from hundreds of thousands of years ago learning to survive on ripe fruit, which was obviously a very valuable item. So only the people with hypersensitive reward systems to that survived and got the calories they needed. And this is all in um, a book called The Drunken Monkey by Professor Robert Dudley, who's in one of the California universities. And that came out in 2011, and it's been virtually ignored uh, until about two issues ago on the National Geographic, it was a cover story of the National Geographic, five years after, after it was published. So evolutionary psychology is really interesting in how this is breaking through and challenging some of our old ideas, and you won't hear any of that in AA, because so AA sees alcoholism as a defective character, it's not, it's a maladaptive, one-time evolutionary advantage. It's a significant advantage in evolutionary terms to be sensitive to alcohol. And, um, uh, uh, you know, know, so that that, that allows you, for people who are struggling with their weight, it's the same thing, it's sugar sensitivity. It's a good thing, we're just maladaptive. It allows you to rethink it and have a bit less blame about it as well.
1: And so it's just, it's about bringing different pieces into the conversation about addiction and not just, Mm. just subscribing to AA and that's, and that's it. But it just seems like, you know, kind of in, in short summary, I mean, there, there are options out there for people Mm. and there are good parts of AA, which obviously like in, like in your case help, you know, too bad it wasn't an atheist AA group, but that Mm -hmm. like, you know, community and all of that whatever kind of accountability that comes with it um, seemed helpful. And, but that there are all these other options hmm. out there and we'll put together something for our like notes for our show notes for this episode, when it comes out, just as far as resources go for people and stuff. Now I, I kind of want to end on just a couple fun questions mm-hmm. for, for like from a music point of view, well, this
0: cause... hasn't been like exciting and uplifting. <laughs> oh, and <laughs> it's, well, it's, it's uplifting
1: because John is here talking to us like so so many years um after i guess hitting rock bottom cool. and i am glad that you are here talking to us and i have a question for you from a music standpoint okay. um, because i just like to know this about people um give me a few of your all-time favorite albums
2: um do little by the pixies is the album Fantastic. that me want to be in a band um desire by bob dylan is the album that made me want to be a songwriter and then Freewheeling by Bob Dylan. I discovered that later. Um, and uh, probably Revolver by The Pixies. I mean, I'm fairly standard stuff. Uh, it's,
1: good, it's good stuff. It's all all good stuff. The,
2: the, the when, album in the... Yeah. There's two albums from the 90s when we were playing the bands that we toured with. And we, we toured with them partly because we didn't feel they were getting the recognition they deserved. But there's a band called The Long Pixies and their oh, album yeah. was The Sun Is Often Out. And I think that's the greatest album of the 90s for me. It's a superb album. It's, if you haven't heard that album, just it, buy it. And if you don't like it, I'll send you the money. That you pay for it <laughs> um, it's a wonderful record. Sadly, Dee, the drummer, uh, passed away a few weeks ago. But he, oh. he's a wonderful drummer. Um, and we told them they were great. And um, Madda Rose, who were a New York sort of art rock, sort of post velvet underground band from that period. Uh, their first two albums are beautiful. Mary Lawson, the singer, has the most incredible voice. Uh, she's, I think she's kind of part Cherokee or something. She's a very distinguished looking woman. And she just had an incredible singing voice. And then the band were really noisy and feedback and distorted guitars. Yeah. And they play super slow songs as well. Really slow. With this kind of haunting, melodic, beautiful, beautiful female singer over top. So yeah, anything, Madderose, first two Madderose albums are, are gorgeous. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Yeah, I just always, I mean, I like to know that about everybody, but especially we have a musician talking to us, so I needed to ask that question. Okay, so... Um, and now I have to ask future plans. What's what's next for you?
2: So I think I've done loads of podcasts on this subject and spoken a lot. And I'd like to do a book on it, just a short book, um, yeah. after sort of all the conversations I've had. Because I originally I wrote the blog essay and then it was featured in The Guardian. And then I, I wanted to just test my ideas in public, which I've kind of done for about the last three years now. So I think that's time. I've got to finish some other academic work i do first, and then I'll do that. And then with the band, we've got some reunion shows this summer. So hopefully, we'll do occasional festivals and things like that over the next few years. So that'll be good fun. And um, awesome. well,
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Well, thank you so much really. for
1: talking to us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you. you've got a lot of awesome stuff, and thank you for reaching out and, like, you know. I think we're going to be talking about some ideas for future guests for this show. Yeah, because I've I've done the the circuit of
2: podcasts, so I've got some good guys I can pump your way. Yeah, awesome. um, The the, the main message is for anybody who's struggling with booze or drugs or has a family member who's struggling with it, there's never been a better time to do this sobriety thing because AA is still there. That's fine. Do that atheist AA if you're science minded they're very very warm and very open minded and then smart recovery and the Sinclair method, the options are incredible so don't give up but that would be that's the main thing I want people to know is this can be done and it's a good time to do it
0: thank you so much like fuck yes fuck. I, I was about yes. to say fuck us but then it was a fuck yeah comma us fuck
1: yeah us
0: <laughs> comma us yeah uh we are going to be doing our first ever live record at indie PopCon right here in my hometown of indianapolis indiana
1: i'm coming to they indiana. actually reached
0: out to us too yeah and they actually reached <laughs> out to us too so it's not like a thing where i was like hey you have to promise and i have to make this distinction hey can we please come on gave us a sunday afternoon slot which you know was the last day of the conference so it's kind eh. of but you know what
1: no no listen to me though here's we, the thing fi- here's the it's,
0: thing it's right exactly we yeah. were asked to do a thing yeah. and we are incredibly grateful, grateful for that yeah we are Yeah. so because for some well, reason yeah. they
1: think it's okay for us to speak live in front of other humans
0: they the the <laughs> first email the first email i mean special, i don't i'm not okay me, with that First, email like Conservative guy sent me uh, said something to the effect of uh, local YouTuber uh, blah 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 blah, and I was like, okay, well, <laughs> yes, we have a YouTube channel. We have uh, I think like 200 subscribers right now, but no, that's not our thing. We don't do we don't do videos. That's not our thing. If you're expecting videos, that's uh, you're prepared to be disappointed. Uh, but no, he somehow i don't know how well i guess the show uh knew, knew who i was i was also on I don't, I don't think i talked about this i was also on his friend's podcast kind of epic show okay I, we recorded and i think it's his friend or his buddy that normally does the, the the show with him uh is the one that invited us on so we are as as much as we are uh you know self-deprecating ourselves and it, i guess the conference a little bit uh we <laughs> we really appreciate it there are I assume there's still tickets available for Indy Popcon. I don't know that. I can't, you can't prove there's not.
1: But it's a, and it's a big conference like convention. It's a big You've, conference.
0: I didn't realize. You sent me
1: pictures today. Like there's there's banners. They have hanging. They have all banners over down. And they and
0: they and they do that for a couple a few times a year. Like the Indy 500 parade mm-hmm. uh, actually goes right through the the picture uh, that I took outside of my work. Uh, it goes right down uh, that that road. But then. Uh, what else? Uh they for Comic Con or earlier this year, I believe it was like February or, or March, uh mm-hmm. whenever that was, uh, they did the same thing and Comic Con is I mean, for for an Indianapolis convention we'll say is huge. I think there's like some twenty thousand people that go and that's uh it's twenty 000 to twenty two thousand for uh indie Popcon. So, so that's yeah. cool.
1: Yeah, I'm that's a thing. I'm really excited to come to Indiana. Um, is something I never thought I would say, <laughs> but, but I, but I, but I am, I'm, I'm excited that we get to do this. And, um, yeah, if, if you're listening and you live in the vicinity, come check us out and say, Hey, we're going to talk about, um, I mean, I guess we're going to kind of try to do a bit of an intro to
0: yeah, skepticism always, and
1: popular culture.
0: Yeah. And that's the that's the whole yeah. thing is we're doing a intro to science well not intro to science uh uh but an intro to skepticism what it is uh we're i Ooh. i can't give away too much i almost went give away how we're opening the show but just uh just in general about uh the skeptic movement what we what we're about uh, what i mean what we are in the first place what is a skeptic and then we're going to talk about uh yeah it's application or or instances of it portrayals uh, in,
1: like, in in the media really yeah so yeah. it'll be cool it's so it kind of it
0: and we got to give a shout i feel like we got to give a shout out to george crab uh who did i believe it was a closing talk at nexus uh which was fantastic uh, that kind of inspired us and gave us the idea and slash we're kind of ripping it off uh only doing different people imitation uh,
1: flattery right
0: yeah but he's i mean he's a, he's yeah. fantastic he's 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 amazing and i don't know if uh oh you weren't you weren't there for it because I you had oh, bus. Fuck, uh, i'm not trying to guilt trip you here no he sorry. started he started out uh of course you remember last year nexus closed out with uh, george uh, not george Rob, john, horton. Uh, john horton john horton john motherfucking horton um who basically said all skeptics are uh shit, uh, shit. You, you all suck you should be fighting the real skeptic battle which is war, war. And the uh, flaws in human personality that we will likely never overcome, uh, ever. <laughs> but that's that's so where fa- skeptics are failing. Uh, but George started his talk and saying, "This is the par- This is the talk uh, in the time of the conference where I insult everybody and tell you how awful you are, right?" <laughs> and I, I said, "Ha!" Only when I say "ha," I like. M- it was it was uh, it was extremely loud, is what I'm saying, and uh, lots of people turned and looked at me because I thought it was extremely funny. Because I wrote about John, and then John wrote about me, oh, and then remember, John wrote about people writing about him, and then he it was a lot. wrote about it was just a people big, writing circle about people writing stuff. about him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone yeah. desperate for attention, uh, just like hashtag anyways, Not All dance. Oh, Ooh. oh. who?
1: Oh, now people that be. actually deserve attention are the people that give money to our show. I yeah. think that's a segue to you thanking our they, patrons.
0: They are. People who do deserve attention, attention. Uh, include our patrons, and you can become one by going to patreon.com slash TSEpodcast, and you get access to early episodes, bonus content. Uh, we're going to do more on it, too. I, we just have to figure out how to do it because, I mean, this stuff Life. is – there's no There's no class. No classes ever on how to how to podcast. How to, I, I, there's probably classes on that, but I didn't go to them and <laughs> you didn't, didn't go either. to them. There's no yeah. there's no how to uh, how to be a Patreon creator. How to how, how how to do this stuff. So we we are looking into ways to be more active and and do better with that. And I think it's going to come down to me having to share access to it with Natalie so that Natalie can post stuff and and I'll updates be. and and things yeah. like that because she's she's good at organization and planning and and stuff like that. Uh, where I generally You're terrible whatever. at it whatever it's okay uh, we all
1: have strengths and weaknesses it's okay
0: <laughs> some so of us say, more say weaknesses and strengths but my greatest strength is my weakness and vice versa oh dear god don't ever say that in an interview the people who say <laughs> look <laughs> i have somebody that i'm close to that interviews people all the time uh, as part of part of their job and don't I, I know all the things not to say in interview. Don't fucking say that because you're not getting the job if you say that. But you probably already know because you're constantly going on interviews. But anyway, uh, didn't mean to denigrate anybody here. Uh, because we're talking about the cool people, just like Michael and Trevor and Nathan. Trevor, we're gonna talk to Trevor tomorrow night again, wow. and he's he's also a patron like how meta is that and nathan and alice and cynthia and francis and michael and michael and magnus and south hannah and Felix, chris james sarah and host way we would be incredibly grateful so like give us money but also uh science yeah, Facebook facebook yeah, yeah, twitter uh what else am That's i missing Podcast at, at, at science com. Uh you can just you can probably just if we have mutual friends, you can just add us all I add anybody I had mutuals with. Uh <laughs> what else? I don't know.
1: That's it. All right, I'll give a quote. It's getting it is and we'll, so late. We'll right wrap now. it up. All right. That is the way to learn the most that when you are doing something with such enjoyment that you don't notice that time passes. And that's Albert Einstein, and and we'll link it. He wrote a letter to his son while his son was away at school, and it's just kind of this cool um little inspirational bit of writing you know a dad talking to his kid pretty much like like what you do
0: pretty much how how much pressure and anxiety does that kid feel i i wouldn't be able to survive if i i I would just be like nope i give up because what are you gonna do (laughs) no shit einstein be like no that's that's my like i am einstein and but also like i said like again but also i don't know how to solve this problem i don't know
1: yeah well no pressure though no pressure. All right, next week we are gonna be back with um Chris Shelton talking about Scientology.
0: Hopefully next so, week. Hopefully nothing comes up between now and then.
1: Yeah, but we that's that's the one we anticipate airing next week. I think that, or that will still happen. Would we,
0: should we do our live show? See, this this is why oh, we need to have company yeah. meetings. Okay, well we you know to, what we need to talk about things e- like this. Either
1: way, either way, we will be back next week with either the live show or Chris Shelton. And I think the live just show know that probably. We'll be, we'll be back. Probably a live yeah. show. All right. Well, all right. This is our company meeting. You guys like got to um, see behind the curtain because there is no curtain. We just let it all. <laughs> the,
0: the company meeting Saturday out. night, though, in a, <laughs> in Manhattan. <Whew>. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it went from what? Nine, 9 p.m. Or no, 8 PM, about 8 p.m. 8? until 5 a.m. in the morning.
1: Yeah, it did. It ended at a <sighs> barcade.
0: Yeah, I don't. That was remember a bar I don't remember how I don't know how we did we walk to Barcade. We
1: walked everywhere.
0: We walked everywhere? Okay.
1: We walked I everywhere. I don't remember yes. that.
0: We didn't. I know we, I, I got into a vehicle uh at, at Barcade and that took us back. I did. Oh. It took me back to See, the I walked hotel. back to my hotel. Well, you are more of a man than I am.
1: Maybe. No. Alright, <laughs> <laughs> let's be done. It's almost ten o'clock.
0: It is I, Yeah. It, I mean, we've had a busy you know, night. We
1: busy people night don't know. We already interviewed Callie. Callie Wright. Yeah. Like so we're we're just we're going on our And people won't hour know about
0: Callie's unless you follow us on YouTube and watch the video on YouTube or on the podcast Facebook. page uh, on yeah. Facebook. Uh, you won't know because uh probably won't come out for a month. For there's a while. so much going on. But there's so much going on.
1: There, there's so much, but we've we've been doing a lot of work on getting Getting interviews done and and all of that stuff, but yeah, I would I'd suggest hey, if people wanna wanna check out what we did tonight, go go to our, the Facebook page and watch the interview with Callie because she was awesome. She was fantastic. She and she was
0: great. And this is I'm looking yeah. at the live video on the Science Enthusiast podcast page on Facebook right now, and in the sidebar on related videos, it has a guy with a fidget spinner on a bass guitar. That's a thing, but.
1: Just, I'm done. I'm done with the internet. None. I'm surprised it's not a cat playing a with a fidget spinner. Oh my gosh, a cat fidget spinner? Could
0: you imagine?
1: No, no. All right,
0: I'm done. We got him good. I feel like I'm getting a cold.
1: I really hope I'm not, because we have to do our thing this weekend.
0: You do, and I can't. I mean, I can try to convince Emily to come on the stage and record with me, but oh, uh, I would.
1: I'd. I'd go even if even if I was a little sick. I'd do it. I'm a trooper.
0: That you are. You're going
1: to fidget. You're going to now stop the recording, and we're going to say goodbye to these fine people that are still listening. Thank you, and I'm... Good night. Sorry. Good luck. Yeah, we're sorry.
0: The music you heard tonight was written and performed by Adam Johnson and was used with his permission. You can contact Adam at adamjohnsondc at gmail.com. This podcast is property of Not Narrow or Straight LLC, all rights reserved.
1: That was great. Thank you so much.